0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host do you like this show and you want to help support us do you want us to stay ad free do you want extra episodes every month of course you do then head over to patreon.com slash become a patreon supporter of this very show Another episode of the Nerd Cape Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So, how has your week been?
1: Not too bad. It's been, um, you know, work's been work for the most part. I mean, nothing too, nothing too exciting going on. I know I mentioned this to you earlier today, but we're hoping to finally get the schedule for baseball season, whatever season we may have um, next week. So, Um, I know we're likely going to be playing early May through the middle of September. So the season will be a little bit shorter than it normally is. Um, but we don't know the exact dates that we're going to be playing yet. So got, got that to look forward to. But other than that, just, uh, you know, hanging out with the girlfriend, I played the, Box Adventure, which I'll be reviewing uh tonight that I'm excited to talk about, my first venture into the uh sixteen world, which was which was fun to do, so um other than that, just uh usual stuff, what about you?
0: um it's been a pretty good week. I haven't really played too many games I actually i did uh did a test stream the other night of um my Nintendo switch on Twitch and played uh Castlevania for a little while and then um, played uh, Kid Dracula for a bit, which sounds like it's going to be a kid's game, but it's not. (laughs) It's pretty tough, and uh, started playing that, and it's sort of like, imagine playing Mega Man, but you're playing with, um, your character has the mobility of, uh, of, uh, uh, was it Simon Belmont in the first one, Uh, or was it? Yeah, it was Simon Belmont. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, I think it was pl- Simon Belmont. Imagine trying to play Mega Man with Simon Belmont. It's like that. <laughs> it's kind of oh, tough. Oh
1: Lord. <laughs> Sounds like it.
0: Yeah, it was fun though. Um, but yeah, I had everybody cracking up because the first mini boss or first boss that comes up is a ghost, but he looks like a clan member. <laughs> so I was screaming, <laughs> "It's the clan!" <laughs> oh no. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that that was fun, and uh, I'd like to play it again. I may actually review it here in the next couple of weeks, so we'll see.
1: No, I'd be excited to hear about it just yeah. for that one comment alone. <laughs> you can actually
0: go. I have the video up on my Twitch stream if you want to go want to go watch it. It's towards the end, so. <laughs> oh
1: man, that's awesome.
0: But uh, I lit a I lit a fire on Twitter today too, which I should have known better, but. <laughs> oh boy!
1: Here, here's the thing, though. You gotta have some uh, some level of objectivity, yeah, and perspective when you post stuff. Like, very rarely do things swing one way completely. Mm. And you, you you gotta like. I mean, we're we're talking. And I'm, I'm gonna pronounce her name wrong, but I believe it's Gina Carano, yeah, who played uh, Kara in. The Mandalorian was fired due to the the comments that she made on social media and people are in arms like, oh, cancel culture strikes again. But yeah. I'm like, it it goes both ways. Like, it's not yeah. <laughs> a liberal thing. Like, you, you look at, and because of what you posted, look at the Colin Kaepernick situation in the NFL years ago. Uh-huh. It's practically the same thing. Different circumstances, but... Same type of situation, if you will.
0: Yeah, and and my point being, you know, I, it's not up to me to say if she gets fired or not. I mean, who knows what is in those contracts when you work for Disney? I mean, Disney of all things, and you say something like like, and, she, and I kind of understand the point she was trying to make with her post, but at the same time, when you make a post about Jews and the Holocaust and Nazis, and you work for Disney. Knowing the the history that Walt Disney had with the Nazis and supposedly being a Nazi sympathizer, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Disney's gonna put the squash on that pretty quick. So, you know, I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, you live by the sword, you die by the sword.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's if you're gonna I throw that kind of, and <clears throat> that's, that, and my biggest point was, freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences. If you say what you say, there's going to be consequences. Like, yeah, it's a free country. You can say what you want. That doesn't mean your job won't fire you for saying something stupid. That's just... That's America. So, I I didn't... And people want to scream and and shout at me. Like, I didn't know that uh, just for, you know, putting out uh, an opinion like that, people want to try to climb up my ass as far as they can go yelling at me. So... (laughs) I'm just, I'm just here to say I wasn't, I mean, yeah, I was trying to ruffle some feathers, but I was just trying to make people think, but people don't like to think. They, they don't like to have mirrors put up to their hypocrisy. So learned a lesson, another one, which I should have learned a long time ago.
1: <laughs> the sad thing is, is that you shouldn't be ridiculed for posting something like that. Yeah. Well. There's, <laughs> there's two sides to every story.
0: I think I defended That's my the position pretty well a few yeah, times. Yeah, I thought so. You never know. I
1: don't know. Yeah. I don't own
0: so. Disney, so it's not my place to say whether she should have been fired or not. I'm just saying she said something stupid, and now she's got to pay the price for it.
1: Yeah. yeah her opinion or not, she should have enough awareness to know that, hey— Probably shouldn't say something yeah. like this since I signed a contract with Disney. <laughs>
0: and if they didn't fire, it wouldn't bother me either. You know why? Because I can separate the art from the artist. Like, yeah, I'm a left leaning person, but I don't care what people's politics are. Like, I, I think, you know, I, I think um, uh, Ted Nugent is a, is a gun toting pedophile psychopath, but I'll still play some Wang Dang Sweet Poontang when I'm driving to work, you know? <laughs>
1: Does it have you in a
0: stranglehold? Yeah, in a stranglehold and get and get some cat scratch fever. Uh, yeah, that's some rock that's some good songs, man, but I don't like his personal politics. I think he's a nut. <laughs> just just about that much. A little, just bit. A little bit. Just a little, yeah. bit. A little bit. We got a lot of news to get into this evening. Would you like to jump into it?
1: Yeah, we got some good stuff to talk about. Here
0: we go. <laughs> pretty good Sonic news. So you want to take the first one, or you want me to take the first one?
1: I would love to take the first Ooh, one. Well, you take it then. All right, so this comes to us from movieweb.com. Sonic the Hedgehog... And this is a question. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 wants Jason Momoa as Knuckles. Fans' wishes may come true. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 may be bringing in some major star power. It's been reported that Jason Momoa, a.k.a. Uh, from Game of Thrones and Aquaman has been offered the role of Knuckles in the upcoming sequel. Whether or not the star accepts the role remains to be seen, but it appears that the filmmakers are aiming high on this one. Uh, He has indeed been offered the role of Knuckles, uh, according to a report that it doesn't say. Uh, It's previously been confirmed that the fan-favorite character will appear in the sequel, which is expected to begin production in March. Paramount has put the ball in his court. So, what what do you think uh, about this? I know that I've... Made it known on the show that I would love for um, Mr. Johnson, A.K.A. The Rock, to be the voice of Knuckles. But personally, I, after thinking about it, I think Jason Momoa might be a better fit for the character.
0: Honestly, I think so too. I mean, I'm good with both of them, either one. But uh, I love Jason Momoa, and I think he's got um, that—he's got a little more of an attitude that I think fits Knuckles. So. I think it's a pretty good pick. If he if he accepts the role, I think it'd be a good thing not only for his career, which he's got a great career already, but if he does this, he would be beloved amongst the, you know, even the like the Sonic fandom. But um but yeah, I think he's a pretty good choice for the role.
1: Well, I know he's got Aquaman 2 coming up, so he's he's gonna be busy, but voice work is a little bit different oh, than yeah. actually flying out on location. I mean he'll it's a little more flexible for him to go into a studio and record some lines. But yeah. And and I was having this conversation with a friend of mine today. Initially I was against knuckles being in the sequel because I don't want them to add too much. Like I, I, if they include tails and build on that friendship, I think that should be the focal point of the second movie. And it almost kind of reflects the video games too where you bring Tails in for the sequel and then bring Knuckles in for the third one. But if Knuckles is in it, thinking about it, I, I don't really have an issue with it. As long as they don't add any other of the, the Sonic characters. Yeah. Like, I don't want them to throw in Metal Sonic or Amy Rose or Shadow just yeah. yet. Just
0: don't do throw the, in Tails and Knuckles. Don't do the sequel-itis where they throw in too many characters. <laughs> just yeah. keep it simple. Which real quick, they did
1: also announce the release date for Sonic Two, and it's gonna be called just Sonic the Hedgehog Two. They released the logo, which looks really cool because the end of the two has two tails coming out of it oh, for tails. Cool. So I thought that I thought that was kinda cool. Yeah. Uh it will be released April eighth, twenty twenty two. So e- e- exciting stuff. Like I- I'm ready to hear more about the-, the the Sonic two movie.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm excited uh to hear at at least start getting some rumors about what's going on in the story. You know, I I like to do the the whole rumor mill thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different avenues that they could go from where they left the first movie. I I do definitely think we're going to see more of like the traditional Sonic lore be introduced. Like if, you know, they bring Knuckles in, I think it's very clear they're going to bring the Chaos Emeralds in. Hopefully they do a little more... Non Earth scenes,
0: yeah, that's what I'm like hoping.
1: going, like going back to Sonic's home world would be kind of cool. Seeing more of the Mushroom World or even some of the other ones that were on that map that Sonic uh-huh. had would be kind of cool. Uh,
0: maybe uh, so i maybe uh, um, Jim Carrey will make a return and see Doctor Robotnik maybe doing some planet hopping and they're chasing each other around the map.
1: I hope so. I I, I think. Could you in theory do a second movie without Robotnik? Yes, but I mean, to me Jim Carrey was the MVP of that whole movie. So I think yeah. to not have him in it would be a major disservice.
0: Yeah, I think if you didn't add him into the second one it would be a huge there would be a huge Jim Carrey sized hole in the yeah. in in that movie cuz he was he pretty much made that first movie.
1: Oh, for sure. Without
0: him that movie wouldn't have been what it was. I don't think
1: yeah. So exciting
0: stuff. Uh more Sonic news. This comes from the and this was given to us by Exploit07 and I am the Rampage. Uh the Lego is making a Sonic Mania themed set inspired by a fan creation. LEGO is announcing a new video game-themed set featuring Sonic the Hedgehog and characters from Sonic Mania. Uh, You can get a look at the concept design for the set, which is themed around Sonic's classic Green Hill Zone stage. At the top of the post, Um, the concept for the set was submitted by uh, was submitted by Viv Granell. I guess I'm saying that right, a Sonic fan based in the UK through the LEGO Ideas program. Submissions need to receive 10,000 votes before LEGO will consider making them an actual logo set, so it's no small feat that Grannel was able to get the necessary support for the idea to become a reality. If you want to see more pictures of the concept? Check out Grannel's page for the project on the LEGO Ideas site. Um, it's a pretty cool-looking set. I I dig it. I I'm not sure if I like the the look of Sonic as a uh, a LEGO character, but I don't know, he seems a little too light blue for me.
1: Yeah, I was thinking, you know, when I saw the the headline for this in our Google Doc, I, my initial thought was, how did they create Sonic as a Lego character? And that that's really my only critique of it. Yeah, I mean, he looks a little different than your traditional Lego figurine, but it'd be tough to take, like, the base model of what they normally do. and yeah create sonic we'll but yeah he needs to be a little bit of a, a darker blue but I, I love the you know the green hill set with the checkerboard loop and yeah. you've got the the uh sunflower and the the ring and it's even you've even got the the extra life on yeah. top of it which
0: is pretty cool so I, I i dig the set yeah i dig the dr robotnik too Um
1: yeah the giant robot
0: yeah that's a pretty cool set centerpiece to the set right there
1: for sure, I, I still haven't got my hands on the Mario Lego uh, set. I mean, eventually I would like to.
0: I've almost and- pulled the trigger a couple of times when I was in uh, Walmart and and Target. I see them all the time, and I'm like, I I don't I want it, but I don't need it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they have the the display set in Target where you can actually see like the interactive aspect of it, and I'm like, that's yeah. so cool, and that's, I want it. But
0: yeah. and I saw some that, that, Best Buy too. I wanted to get. I was like, why do why do I run into this everywhere I go? It's just like take my money, take my money, take.
1: <laughs> oh man, but yeah, the I I dig the set. It, it's it's pretty cool. But our next story comes to us from nintendolife.com. Always enjoy reading articles from there. Resident Evil returns to the big screen on September 3rd. Capcom might be busy preparing Resident Evil Village, but it isn't letting up with its adaptations. We were made aware of plans for Netflix series Resident Evil Infinite Darkness back in September, and now Sony Pictures has confirmed its live-action film reboot will launch September 3rd, 2021. As reported by Deadline, this upcoming release is completely separate from Paul W.S. Anderson's commercially successful film series. Directed by uh, Johannes Robert, is taking us back to Raccoon City in 1998 and looks set to be an origin story incorporating elements from Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2. Uh, Robert's confirmed, I really wanted to go back to the original first two games and recreate the terrifying visceral experience I had when I first played them whilst at the same time telling a grounded human story about a small, dying American town that feels both relatable and relevant to today's audiences. I love that they're setting it in 1998. Yes. And making it an origin story. That's exactly what they need to do.
0: Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I did like the very first Resident Evil movie uh, with Mia Jovovich. I thought it was a really good movie, um, but it had nothing to do with the game, pretty much. It just kind of like, It was one of those things where, almost like the Super Mario Brothers movie, where people who wrote the movie never played the game and was just kind of told, like, here's what the game's about. Go make a movie. And it was okay. It wasn't bad. But I really want that experience of, you know, what they're talking about. I I want those experiences of the first two games and going back to, to actual Raccoon City in 1998. And that's just awesome to me.
1: Yeah, I like I said, I think that's exactly what they need to do. And I'm not nearly as knowledgeable about Resident Evil as you are, but like you, I I enjoyed the first Resident Evil movie for what it was. Mm. Do you know how many Resident Evil movies there were?
0: Oh, God, like seven. And the weird thing is they didn't number them, they just named them. So I don't even know which one's which.
1: So you had, there were six total. You had Resident Evil released in 2002. Apocalypse, 2004, Uh Extinction, 2007, Afterlife, 2010, Retribution, 2012, and Resident Evil, the final chapter in 2016. Wow. That's a lot of movies.
0: (laughs) And I really only like the first one. (laughs) The rest of them are kind of garbage.
1: I watched the second and third one, but honestly, I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in them. Like Whichever. I have no rec like I remember watching them, but I have no recollection of what actually happened.
0: Whichever one was the one that was set in Las Vegas, they had, and it was just pretty much Las Vegas was covered by sand. That one was pretty decent. I remember thinking it was okay. I don't even remember which one that was, but you know, I, I don't remember anything from any of those other movies. So I, I really hope they they kind of. Just make it more like the games, and give me that visceral experience of, of being in a city that's cr- that's basically in the grips of you know the the zombie uh, outbreak, and them having to deal with that. That's what I want I want a nice small story that takes place in Raccoon City.
1: I've said it before. All we needed was one successful video game movie to start the trend. Yep. It it happened with Sonic. Thank you, Sonic. So, so I have I, I have pretty good hopes for this.
0: Yeah, me too. I hope I hope it's good. I really do, and I and I hope we're able to go back to the theaters in September too.
1: I certainly hope so. I really hope so because there. I mean, that's a whole separate discussion, but yeah,
0: yes, yeah, like definitely something I want to see in the eat, eat, see in the theater. Eat some popcorn. Get a nice big soda and just have a good time.
1: Could go for some movie theater popcorn oh,
0: right yeah, now. Yeah, dude, <laughs> you ain't kidding. Cover that shit with butter. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mm. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> uh, the next story. <laughs> you're making me hungry. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> this <is> from <laughs> NintendoLife.com. The NES is getting a new game that's all about putting out fires. Karu Gameo, the developer behind Japanese cult classics Protect Me Night, God of Protectors, and Amazon's Running Diet, is bringing a new game to the NES slash Famicom. Blaze Rangers, uh, or Honono Ranger Man, as it's known in Japan, has been developed and mapper... has been developed with Mapper Zero restrictions in mind, making it akin to some of the earliest releases for for Nintendo's 8-bit console. It's a single-screen action game which places you in the role of a firefighter who must rescue kids from burning buildings. Um, Here are some key points direct from the PR. Exciting and unique firefighting gameplay. um, uh, More than 32 challenging levels with many hidden secrets. A wide array of power-ups two different game modes with strong changes to gameplay, two-player co-op partner can join in at any time, randomly generated dangers. Each playthrough will challenge you in new ways, and the game was developed with Mapper Zero restrictions, which were earliest cartridges for NES and Famicom. Uh, It's getting a physical release thanks to First Press Games, which is scheduled for May of this year. Um, Pre-orders open from the 30th of January, which was, what, uh, almost two weeks ago, uh, so if you're interested, it is regular edition, it will be 55, $54.99, collector's edition is $79.99, and super bundle is $169.99, limited to 100 pieces. Um, and holy crap, this super bundle comes with a lot of stuff, holy crap.
1: I just want it for the water gun.
0: I know. (laughs) You got like a little, yeah, it's like, it looks like a little fire extinguisher. Um, You get two NES compatible game carts with authentic packaging and extensive, extensive manuals, uh, deluxe CD soundtrack, the water gun, luxurious, luxurious limited edition box set, double-sided poster, clear files. uh, I guess that's uh, almost like posters. Uh, collector coins and erasers that look like NES cartridges. Me want. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah the the video actually the like the watching the video the game looked pretty fun. It reminded me of Dig Dug. Yeah
0: yeah a yeah. Bit.
1: But uh, yeah this all this extra stuff that you get like you said the I mean the actual box looks pretty cool but it comes with the soundtrack. Water gun, like all, all that stuff is is really, really cool. Man. I, I love I love when we find stories like this and that not, not just that new games that are made in the same style of say like the NES or the Super Nintendo, but the fact that they're actually yeah. making physical cartridges for it is awesome.
0: Yeah, I can't really afford the hundred and seventy dollar super bundle, but I might go ahead and just get a regular edition just to have it. I mean, when's yeah? How often do they make new NES games? And it, the box art—the actual box for it, not the uh, the limited edition box set—but the actual box looks like the old black box cartridges for mm-hmm. for the NES. I love that. I'm in. Yeah, love I do with too. It. I'm in love with it. I love <laughs> it. I would marry it right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, there's there's several. Romantic songs that I could sing, but I won't torture (laughs) the listeners by doing that, but I'll I'll just say this looks really cool. I think the gameplay looks fun. I would like to play this.
0: Yes, me too. Just imagine what it's like to get a brand new Nintendo game and pop it into the system. Like I haven't had a new Nintendo game, like fresh out of the package, never been opened in 30 years, probably.
1: Just be sure to blow on the cartridge first. (sighs) (laughs) Uh, Our next story comes to us from ScreenRant.com. Sega is splitting into separate gaming and pachinko companies. Interesting headline. Uh Uh, uh, Japan-based developer and publisher Sega Sammy is restructuring its business operations by splitting its video game division and its pachinko division into two separate businesses. The movie may reignite rumors that Sega will be selling its video game sector to to Microsoft, Uh although it's also likely that the company is simply cleaning house and refocusing its resources. While Sega may be known far and wide primarily as a video game company, it actually started life working with coin-operated entertainment machines, including slot machines as far back as the 60s. The company moved into video game production in the 70s, where it benefited tremendously from the video game boom of the 70s and 80s. In 2004, Sega merged with Sammy Corporation, a company that specializes in pachinko machines, and became the holding company Sega Sammy. So, yeah, a lot of people may not know that about Sega and its history and how it eventually came to where it is now. So uh, this may not have come as big of a shock to me as it would other people. But still... Still good to know. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, the other half of the Sega corporation, if you will, is into pachinko machines.
0: Yeah, kind of the same thing with Konami. That's the reason why you don't see too many Konami games anymore is because they all their resources are going into pachinko. Uh, I guess that's pretty big in Japan. That should be our
1: spinoff show, near yeah. Cave Pachinko.
0: <laughs> but I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, the, the news dropped... Um, before this article dropped, that uh, Sega was uh, being courted by Microsoft to be bought, which I, I think is a pretty interesting um, takeover if it happens, because there'll I, be a know, big
1: get for Microsoft.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but for Sega itself to kind of bring itself out of the the depths, I guess you'd say. I mean, they've been doing stuff for Nintendo, you know, the last. 20 something years because you know, Sega doesn't make consoles anymore. But I think it'd be pretty interesting if uh, if Sega gets taken over by Microsoft and all those old Sega properties get kind of revitalized. That's kind of exciting.
1: If that happens, then it makes the choice of what new console to get fairly easy for me,
0: yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if you get a, a imagine a, a, a Sega, a, a, not Sega, but a Sonic game. In the style of the old 2D side-scrollers, but with the power of the Xbox Series X. Oh, my God.
1: Ooh. Oh, that'd, my God. That'd be fun. <laughs> Are you surprised that we still haven't really heard anything about a new Sonic game?
0: Well, honestly, I mean, Sega came out last year and said, oh, you're going to get a bunch of Sonic news this year and then nothing. So maybe this is the reason we haven't heard anything. Could be. I
1: I just think, like, I would love... Because we had the Mario All-Star collection last year, and I'm fairly convinced that Nintendo is going to do the same with Zelda Mm -hmm. this year. It would be cool if, say, like, Sega does get bought by Microsoft. What if, like, to kick off that announcement, they're like, okay, here's a Sonic collection exclusively for the Xbox series. Like, it's like you remaster like Sonic Adventure mm-hmm. and Sonic Adventure 2 and then, as a collection, put a lot of those old games on there too. Like yeah. Make it a Sonic Anthology
0: collection would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you never know. I mean, that might get announced this year. I mean, if New Who... Because who knows how long they've been talking to Microsoft. I mean, that deal might have already been done, and we just don't know about it yet.
1: It's just funny how this year is the 30-year anniversary of Sonic. Last year we got the movie, mm-hmm. and next year we get the sequel to yeah, the movie. They had, but nothing on his actual 30-year anniversary. Yeah,
0: they had all that momentum after the movie, and then nothing. Like, what are you doing, Sega? Like this is why your consoles failed. <laughs> I really thought
1: you remember a few months ago when they were teasing like this huge announcement? I was hoping that they were going to get back into the console game.
0: Uh, I'd like for them to. I mean, more competition makes better better stuff, but I don't know. Yeah,
1: it'd be an interesting story to follow for sure.
0: Uh, for the last story, this is actually a uh, a Kickstarter announcement. Um, I'll let you talk about this because uh, Tyler sent sent us this the other day.
1: Yeah. So uh, shout out to Tyler Watson for sending us this. Uh, the headline just simply reads, Game Master Classified, an insider's guide to Nintendo's coming of age. Uh, The ultimate Nintendo fan, Matthew uh, Taranto, or Toronto, I'm not sure how you say his last name, teams up with Nintendo's own Game Master, Howard Phillips, to make a tell-all book. I could have just stopped at that, and I would have been like, I'm in. Uh the, The... I love the cover because it's a take on the original issue of Nintendo Power. With uh, for those who I'm sure you remember, with Nintendo Power, the first issue was like a claymation Super Mario Brothers two with Mario in the foreground and Wart in the uh, in the background. But it's it's got uh, uh, Matthew and Howard on the cover, and it, it essentially is going to be um, Howard's tell all story. And there's some. Cool pictures in the um, in the article of what the actual inside of the book is going to look like, uh-huh. and it's got twenty seven days left as we're recording this. Its goal was twenty three grand. It has made forty nine thousand three hundred thirty seven dollars.
0: I think when it I has first looked at this, one hundred fifty backers. I think when I first looked at this the other day, it was only at like what eleven thousand, and now it's already at almost fifty. Uh it, it's it's awesome. It was still 27 days to go. Yeah, I'd say this thing's getting made. They're already smashed their record for a $23,000 goal. They're already at 50,000.
1: But on their um on their tiers uh, award tiers, it says estimated delivery of February 2022. I really like I want to get this book. Yeah, me badly. too. Like th- this will be So much fun to read, because I, you know, you know just as well as I do. Like that era of Nintendo and reading all the articles and Nintendo Power and reading the reviews and everything was, yeah. Every month I would look forward to getting that magazine in the mail. You
0: know, as many video game documentaries as we've gotten in video game movies, we've gotten over the past few years. I really wish somebody would do a Howard Phillips documentary. Uh, oh that'd be great. Especially you know about all of his his basically his start. He the dude started in the warehouse like unloading Donkey Kong machines and worked his way up to being the guy that tested all the games before they were released to you yep. know the public and he was the reason we got Super Mario Brothers 2 that was Doki Doki Panic in Japan and with Super Mario Brothers 2 in America because he played Super the real Super Mario Brothers 2 the lost levels and was like this is not fun you know and he did that for a lot of games like that Nintendo seal of quality was basically Howard Phillips it had to pass it pass through him to be able to get uh you know released
1: yeah and people don't realize the significance that he's had with nintendo so like getting to read his story is gonna be so much fun but i agree with you a howard phillips documentary would be incredible oh yeah i wish there were more nintendo documentaries
0: i could watch video game documentaries all day every day
1: yeah same but But i uh, I definitely want to get a copy of this when it comes out
0: oh yeah me too um but yeah, I think you got to get like the thirty nine dollar level in order to get uh, the actual physical copy of the book. Um,
1: yeah the see. the first tier is just the ebook. <laughs> yeah, so it'll well, be the first a, one just is like a uh, PDF file.
0: First one is ten dollars uh, pledge without a reward just because you believe in it. And then uh, there's a nineteen dollar reward which is just a PDF. Uh, and then with the desert level, which is thirty nine dollars, you get the hardcover.
1: where you'll have your name immortalized in every copy of Game Master Classified, it gets you in the book's wall of fame alongside a mention of whatever NES
0: game you want. Wow. Uh the $64 level, you get a you mushroom up your copy of the book by getting it signed by Howard and Matthew. Uh there's a 2P Desert level. Um you get two copies, 79 or more get a hardcover signed by Howard and Matthew. Uh NES title of your choice, Uh, 109. God, they got a lot of levels on here. (laughs) Just go on there. Go to uh, kickstarter.com, Game Master Classified. Take a look at it. Um, Throw some money at it if you're interested. I'm definitely interested. I want to read more about Howard Phillips. I want to get him on the show one of these days. I'm I'm trying every avenue I know to get to that man, (laughs) and one day I'll find the right avenue. To get to him and get him on this show.
1: Oh, that would be fantastic. We but, need to uh, get him and Reggie.
0: But uh, did you want to um, go ahead and go into the review or you want to go ahead and do video game history or, or shove it to next week?
1: Uh, we can postpone it to next week.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause we're running a little bit long tonight. So, yeah,
1: we had a lot of news to talk about. So, yeah.
0: but uh, before we do the review, Derek has shout outs.
1: Yeah, as always, we like to shout out our awesome patrons at patreon.com slash We want to shout out RMS Jackson, xblade 7 Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, Tyler Watson, Justin Olson, Brandon Rutledge, and Donner Party of Five. Thank you guys so much for your continued contributions to our Patreon. And because you've kept us still at the $50 level. We will continue to do fun commentary tracks. And this month, this is going to be a fun one. We're going to do Transformers Uh the movie, which I don't think I've watched since I was in college. So that's going to be a lot of fun to do. I can't wait for that. I am
0: so excited to do that movie.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's going to be great. And if you want to have access to those fun commentary tracks, if you want to vote in our poll for our monthly roundtable discussion, which we'll be doing Donkey Kong, Uh, later this month, and then the poll for March is currently up. So if you are a patron and you haven't voted yet, be sure to get your vote in, because that closes at the end of the month. And if you want to be a part of it,
0: just head on over to patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. Oh, and before we do the review, don't forget about our Discord as well, where you can uh, just go to our Twitter, and at the very top in our bio is the link to our Discord server. Go join our community, where everybody was making fun of me the other day for... uh... (laughs) People were making memes about me, man.
1: You know it's bad when I'm the one who's like not going after you,
0: <laughs> because apparently I let everything pass me by if it's not Nintendo related, which is wrong. But they're <laughs> the, the one, the one of the guy looking back at the girl,
1: and it said Nintendo Metroid, the girl in the foreground, everything. Else. <laughs>
0: it's true. I mean, uh, yeah,
1: it is. That's what makes it funny.
0: Yeah. All (laughs) right. Well, let's go into the review for tonight. Derek's going to be talking about... ...jaunty music.
1: I'm not going to lie, I love the music from this game. It's a little repetitive, but it's so catchy that I have no problem with it. So this week, I'm going to be reviewing Bonk's Adventure, which is a scrolling platform game developed by Red Company and Atlas, released in 1989 in Japan and 1990 in North America for the TurboGrafx-16. Yes, believe it or not, I am reviewing a non- SNES or N64 game. (laughs) Uh, In Japan, it was titled PC uh, Genjin, a play on the Japanese name for the system, PC Engine. It was the first game in the Bonk series and followed by two more games for the TurboGrafx-16 before branching out to other platforms. So this was not just my first time playing the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, but my first time playing a TurboGrafx-16 period. And... uh, I was excited to play this game because, you know, looking at the options that the TurboGrafx-16 Mini has, I was thinking, you know what? I I could go for a good old-fashioned, fun platformer-type game because, like, you know, those were the games that, like, Mario Brothers and games like that were ones that I initially grew up loving. That's what got me into video games. So I watched a little bit of gameplay of it on YouTube before I actually started playing it, and it it seemed... You know, fairly straightforward, like a lot of those platformers are from, from that age. But there's a certain charm about it that I really like. And it started, It starts with the look of the game. So, as I said, this is a TurboGrafx game. So, the look of it reminds me of like late NES type graphics, you know, yeah. where it's getting into that kind of like bright, vibrant type of look. And the characters still look 8 bit but a little more detailed than you might remember from the early days of the Nintendo. And I, honestly, yeah, it looks you know, like a game that was made in the late 80s, early 90s, but I, I, for one, think that style, and I'm not sure if you agree with me, but I think that style still holds up to this day because a lot of indie games are made mm-hmm. with that same style. So, Yeah, I think I, I was, the,
0: the pixel art style of those old games ne- are, is never going to go out of style.
1: Yeah, it has that kind of timeless feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that a lot of, like, really realistic games, looking games for the time, like, we use Twilight Princess as an example. You know, like, that was one where Zelda took a departure from the animated look and went more realistic, but stylistically, the game doesn't hold up yeah. like a lot of the other ones do. So that was the first thing that, kind of caught my eye with Bonk's Adventure was the look of the game. I think it looks great. It still holds up to this day. The, the gameplay is is pretty straightforward. So literally what you do is you use Bonk's head to essentially headbutt enemies. Or you can do this kind of like diving jump where you jump in the air and you dive headfirst onto you know enemy dinosaurs or whatever the case may be. And that's, that's your attack. And you, you do get upgrades. You get um, So you eat vegetables to replenish your health. You start with three hearts, and you, know, you get hit. Your health de- uh, is depleted. And you can recover it over time by eating different vegetables you find throughout the game. But you can also eat pieces of meat to upgrade yourself. So like if you eat a small piece of meat, it makes you a little bit stronger. And then you eat another piece, it makes you invincible, kind of like the star. In just, the
0: Mario games. I was just reading it. it. said, meat can be found in two varieties, big meat and small meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. whenever I read that
1: article, whenever I read this for the first time, I was like, you know what, I might be 34, but ma- maturity-wise... I'm a little bit younger than that,
0: but, uh, Uh, it says eating, eating, eating a small meat while in stage 2 we'll also put bonk into the third invincible stage of meat power. Super meat power. (laughs) I think I played bass for meat power back in the (laughs) nineties. That's a great band name.
1: (laughs) Meat power. Uh, bonks meat power. That's, that's a, that's a good name. Anybody who's uh, an aspiring musician who's listening to this podcast, you're welcome. You have a band name, but uh yeah, that's essentially your like major power up that you get other than that you just you go through you fight other dinosaurs you can collect um, these little smiley face um, they're almost like coins in a way, and then they add to your your score uh, when you complete a level but it's it's not a very long game i haven't Completed it, but I'm I'm pretty close to the end of it. It's not a very long game, but for what it is, I I've actually really enjoyed it. I I don't know how much. Uh, do you have any questions about?
0: Um, I about played fun? it a little bit. Uh, I did play it a lot back back in the early '90s. Um, used to go to me and my friend, um, Lance. We used to go on our our Saturday nights were spent. Going to not uh we'd have band practice in the afternoon, and then afterwards we would go to Toys R Us and just spend hours playing uh the the consoles that they had set up um with you you know they had a turbografx 16 set up they had Sega Genesis of course Super Nintendo you can go in and just play them and you can go in at night and there's nobody there so we would just spend hours playing you know, demos of games and stuff. And I used to play the TurboGrafx-16 a lot. Um, and they always had Bonk on there, and I would always play that. And I never never got a TurboGrafx-16, but I was always interested in getting one. And um, then finally, you know, uh, we got sent the... Um, it was, it was Axe 07 that sent us the TurboGrafx-16 Mini. It was really the first time I ever really got, like, a lot of time to really spend with it. But I still didn't spend a whole lot of time playing Bonk. Um I don't know, it just seemed a little I don't know, I just kinda couldn't get into it. It seemed a little too too cutesy for my taste. Almost like uh like Kirby. Even though I found Kirby to be pretty fun. It's still a, it, it it's one of those games that it's it's fun to play for a little bit, but it gets old really fast. And um, you know, they did try to make bonk their their Mario for the TurboGrafx sixteen. I think they did a pretty good job with it, you know. I always associated uh, TurboGrafx-16 with Bonk, and th- that always seemed like a good game to to bundle the system with. And I think they did. A, that was a smart move on their part because I think it did sell a lot of systems for them having Bonk as their kind of mascot. And they did three games, so apparently it did pretty well. But then, of course, Bonk showed up on the the NES. Around uh, what year was that that it ended up on the NES? Does it say?
1: It doesn't say on here. It just says it was released for Turbo Graphics in '90 in the states.
0: Yeah, I think it might have been. It was late in the, uh, the the Nintendo's life when Bonk ended up on the Nintendo. I would say probably around '94 it ended up on the Nintendo. And I never played the Nintendo version. Um, might be one of those games I might have to to review one of these days. But um, but yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of time playing Bonk's. I, I played more, you know, the Castlevania and played a uh, Splatterhouse things like things that I never got to play back in the day that I wanted to play. But um, but yeah, it just it just seemed a little too cutesy for my taste.
1: Yeah, and you addressed, actually, my biggest critique of the game. While I enjoy it, I think it's a fun platform game to play. It's one of those that you can figure out the objective pretty quickly and figure out you know, your attack move and what you have to do. I don't think it has a lot of replay value. Yeah. And, yeah, it, like I love the environment. I think the graphics look great. I think the music is fun, but as you mentioned, after playing it for a while, you get a little bored with it. just because there's nothing really different that that happens It's you go through a prehistoric theme level, you fight your boss, you move on to the next one, and you rinse and repeat, yeah, essentially. I did want to uh, talk about the story real quick. Uh, The game's protagonist is Bonk, a strong and bald cave boy who battles anthropomorphic dinosaurs and other prehistoric uh, enemies. Bonk's mission is to rescue Princess Za, a small uh, pink pleosaurus-type reptile who has been kidnapped by the evil King Drool, a large green tyrannosaurus-type dinosaur. In the arcade version, Bonk is also assisted by a female version
0: of himself. I remember that literally your uh, oh go ahead i was going to say i think i did play this in the uh, the arcade cuz that that just jogged there a is an arcade version me.
1: yeah and literally your only attack is you jump in the air and you dive head first and you use bonks indestructible forehead to kill enemies and it, it it's a fun it's a fun concept like i, I like it and for some reason as soon as I started playing this game, I instantly thought of Bam Bam from the Flintstones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> bam I mean, Bam. Don't get me wrong, I thought it was a fun game and uh I just feel like maybe it was missing something that it didn't quite have the juice that, you know, Sonic had or Mario had. Like he's a he's a good character to make your your kind of your flagship, you know, mascot, but I don't know, it just feels like something was missing, and I can't quite Put my finger on it.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what I thought too. And maybe in the sequels, there are a bit more. I know Bonk's Revenge is on the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, which is an interesting note because there are two different modes on the TurboGrafx-16 Mini. There's TurboGrafx-16 and PC Engine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For Bonk's Adventure, there's only the PC Engine version okay so all the text is in japanese so that was interesting to to work through it i mean I, I didn't really need to see the dialogue because i, I just you know you just hop in and yeah. play the game so but <laughs> i i thought it was interesting that they had the original as pc engine only but they had bonk's revenge as TurboGrafx 16.
0: Yeah, that was so. That I thought was that was weird. an interesting choice. And I saw, I just I saw in here. I, I didn't know that um, Hudson Soft included a 3D remake of it uh, on their Hudson Selection series, uh, released exclusively. Oh, this was just in Japan. I, I just saw this Japan part uh, for the PlayStation 2 and GameCube consoles. That seems like something they should have put out in America too.
1: Yeah. You would think so. And it's been re-released a few times. It was on the Wii's virtual console. I released on that in November of 2006. It was on the um, the Wii U virtual console for all six people who had a Wii U. <laughs> I was one of them, so I, I can't really say anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, it's on the TurboGrafx-16 Mini. But all in all, like as a whole, I like the TurboGrafx-16 mini console like the the controller which you know and the i've got it actually right here um i wasn't quite sure what to expect from the controller but i i like it it plays to me just like an nes controller essentially
0: it's basically just an nes controller with turbo buttons like turbo uh switches on it which i kind of liked i liked having the Mm -hmm. turbo buttons the turbo switches on there um, I wish Nintendo would have done something like that, because the only way you could get Turbo on Nintendo controllers was to either have uh, an NES Max or an Advantage.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I like the controller. Like I said, I wasn't sure what to think of it in the beginning, but it felt just like playing a, the NES
0: in a way. But um, as far... Oh go ahead. I was going to say I do think the um the TurboGraphic 16 Mini is a little expensive, but I think it is worth the money, the money though. Um cuz it's got a lot of games on it, really good games. And even though it's you know, this game Bonk is it's a good game, but it's not something that's going to hold your attention, but there are tons of other games on there that will.
1: Oh for sure. You can just look up, up TurboGrafx-16 Mini on Wikipedia, and it's got a mm-hmm. huge list of, of games. And I, I'm excited to, to dive into it uh, a little bit more. So, um, yeah, thank you to Blade 7 again for sending us that. Like, that's
0: really cool of you to do that. I but uh, see, as far as the... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, but I, I just... For, the, for any other games you do for the TurboGrafx-16, I want to see you do one of the shooters that are on there. This got a, that, that was basically what that console was uh, the best at, was side-scrolling shooters.
1: Okay. I'll, uh, I'll have to dive more into it, see what's on there. There's
0: a lot on there.
1: But as far as the reception of uh, Bonk's Adventure goes, Entertainment Weekly picked the game as the number three greatest game available in 1991, saying, Cute, cartoony, and highly imaginative. This is one of the rare games that's as much fun to watch as it is to play. And in 1997, Electronic Gaming Monthly editors ranked the TurboGrafx-16 version as number 85 on their 100 best games of all time, citing its imaginative level design and hilarious Hmm. player character. So, I I mean, thinking about it, like for, for that time, it is a very fun game. Playing it in 2021... I see the flaws in it, but I don't think it's a bad game. Yeah. Like, I would recommend people try it. You're probably not going to... It's not going to hold your attention for very long uh, if you're not a platformer fan, but it's worth trying. Like, it's not a bad game at all.
0: Yeah. It's it's kind of middle of the road. It, it's no Sonic. It's no Mario, but it's it's better than a lot of other platformers out at the time.
1: For sure. And I I think, you know, if I were to give this uh, on a scale of one to ten, I'd say like six and a half or, you know, maybe even a seven. Like it's a it's a solid platformer. I like the character design. I think the concept of using your forehead to kill enemies is funny. The visual is funny. Yeah. The graphics are good. The music is good. Like a lot of this game has this game has a lot of good qualities. But it gets a little repetitive and that would be my biggest knock on it. But overall, I, I liked playing it. It's a fun game.
0: Well, yeah, I, you hit pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think it's a good solid C of a game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's overall my thoughts on, on Box Adventure. I'm curious to play the sequel to see if they've added anything new to it, because I've read nothing about Bonk's Revenge, and I, I don't plan to once I do actually play it, because I kind of want to, I've started to do that with movies, too, like I try not to really read anything like reviews or anything like that. I just kind of like to go in and judge it for myself.
0: yeah, um, I'm not sure what I'm gonna be doing next week. I've been playing a lot of different stuff, so I'll just kind of have to pick something and go with it. <laughs> um like I said, I might actually do uh Kid Dracula next week depending on how much play time I get on it this weekend. Um, but I but there's one thing I can. Definitely uh, uh, recommend to people is picking up the Konami Classics on the, the Nintendo Switch, the Castlevania series. they've got It's got Castlevania 1, 2, 3. It's got all the Game Boy games. It's got um, Castlevania Bloodlines, which I reviewed for the Sega Genesis. Excellent, excellent uh, Castlevania game. It's got Castlevania 4 uh, for the Super Nintendo, and it's got Kid Dracula on it. And it's got some of the Japanese versions of stuff on it, too. So it's a huge value for... I got it for half price. Uh, I got it for like $11. It's usually like 20 Um, But even at the $20 price point, it's well worth the money. Especially if, if you've never really played any of the Castlevania stuff and are interested in it, it's a definite buy for you if you have a Switch. And it may even be on... Uh, PlayStation and Xbox, too. I'm not quite sure. I think it is, but I'm not sure. Um, And if they are, and just pretty much whatever platform you want to play it on, I highly, highly recommend uh, the Konami Castlevania Classics collection.
1: I still need to pick that up.
0: Yeah, you do. So good. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Um, We got anything we want to throw out there before we leave this evening?
1: Yes. So uh, March 2nd, I will be doing the live edition of the 300th episode of the Derek Diamond experience, which will include my conversation with Brian O'Halloran, who you may know from Clerks and Monsters Anonymous. And I'll also be doing and I'm getting flack on Facebook because I narrowed it down to five (laughs) top five moments from the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: That was hard, man. I had to think like for an entire day. (laughs) <laughs> on what to do i was like it was hard to narrow it down to five and i i think i got a pretty good list for the five
1: i've still got to narrow mine down i think i'm at like i don't even know what i'm at right now <laughs> like i can think of so many moments yeah i mean i know i know what my number one is yeah i just got to pick two through five and five's always the tough spot because it's like Everything's right on the verge of yeah. making it, and you're like,
0: "Oh, what do I want to pick?" I have a feeling our number ones are going to be the same. It has to be.
1: You're probably right. Because,
0: but well, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I, I think I know you've probably seen my list at this point, but I, I have a feeling our number ones are going to be the same.
1: There's a good chance you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and I'll probably be doing. Um, Yeah, because that'll be the week of the WandaVision finale, so I'll probably be doing predictions on that.
0: Speaking of WandaVision, are we going to do a roundtable either here or on your show about that show when it's done? Because holy crap, that game has me by the short and curlies. I can't wait till tomorrow.
1: I know. That show is so freaking good. So good. And that, that bombshell they dropped at the end of that last episode... I I said, "Holy Dude, shit!" I'm like quite loudly.
0: I don't want to give any spoilers, but the first thing I thought was like, "Is this going to lead into the multiverse of madness, and is this going to merge all of the the different multiverse aspects of what that means into the MCU?" It makes I've sense got a, to me.
1: I've got a theory, but I'll I'll tell you off air because okay. it would spoil what happened.
0: <laughs> all right. Hmm. So if yeah, you haven't I- seen it, go see it. Go w- watch it right now.
1: Yeah, go watch WandaVision. It's it's an incredible show.
0: But um, yeah, otherwise,
1: uh, uh, just follow the Derek Diamond experience on social media at D Diamond Podcast.
0: And a good episode this week too with uh, the um uh, what's it called? Oh Cobra yeah, Kai, the Cobra Kai. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I did a um a review of seasons one through three of Cobra Kai, and I also talked with an actor named Hans Soto who uh, was in a couple of episodes of this past season of Cobra Kai, but he was also in uh, Looper. He was in Logan. He's been in a lot of notable movies, so it was fun chatting with him.
0: That was a great episode. Um, I appreciate it. For me, I got the Open Micers, which you can follow at Open Micers on Twitter and Open Micers Podcast on Facebook. This Saturday, one of the best interviews we've done yet. We have a man named Leland Sklar, that uh, interviewed earlier tonight for the show. Um, he's a bass player that's been around since like 1969, and he's been pretty much on every album you've ever heard. The guy's been on over 2,000 albums. Talked to him about, he was on one of my favorite albums of all time, Billy Cobham's Spectrum. He did the A-Team theme. He did Doogie Howser. He did, uh, what all was he on? Oh, crap! he did ALF, Quantum Leap. Dude, uh, greatest American hero. The guy's been on everything and we, and he was the coolest dude on the planet to talk to. So please go check out that episode when it drops on Saturday. Uh, cause we're definitely going to have him back on again. And the first thing I said after the episode was I texted Jacob and I said, I want him to be my grandfather. <laughs> dude. So cool. So go check out that episode when it drops on Saturday. Um, Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. I think that's pretty much it for us. What do you say? I think so. If you would like to email us, you can email us all your little stories and stuff that we tell in our our, uh, news section. You can drop them over at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at NerdCaveRetro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro, and individually at JFunkTastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro, and we're on Patreon at Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro, where you can throw us a couple of bucks every month, and if you keep us above that $50 level, we give you those extra episodes every month that you love so much, and this month we're going to be doing a commentary track for Transformers, the Movie roll out. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about.
1: May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.
0: A fellow chucker, eh? Never rub another man's rhubarb.